preach now. I'm going to preach now. Okay, I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure. You weren't moving. So, good morning, Reach Church. All right. So, if kids want to head to Reach Kids, they can head out now. Now, otherwise, happy Easter, everyone. All right. So, he is risen. There we go. All right. So, uh, today we celebrate the fact that, that Jesus, the God-man, the king, the prophet, priest, the Messiah, that he is alive. He is alive. He is not dead. He is alive. He is not dead. And today we're looking at, uh, at three, three encounters that Jesus, the resurrected Lord, has with his followers. And he comes bearing gifts to them. He wants to bring, bring blessings with him and basically give them, give them the life that he has earned on the cross, that he's earned by raising from the dead. And so he gives, uh, he gives the first person joy, the second peace, and the last he gives the this blessing that actually isn't received, but is, is offered to us instead. So we're going to talk about the, the joy, the peace, and the blessing that comes in knowing and receiving and loving our resurrected Savior. Amen? So let's pray, and then we'll jump into these encounters. Uh, pray with me. Father, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you did not leave us to, to fight for our own life. You did not leave us to, to sorrow and to defeat or to even faithlessness, Father, but you, you sent Jesus to open our eyes, to, to give us true joy, to give us the peace of salvation. And Father, I ask that this day you would fill us with your spirit that we may rejoice and we may worship Jesus. Father, as... As other things come to, to cloud our sight, I ask that you would give us uh, hearts that would just see Jesus, would want to be about nothing but Jesus. That he alone is the Savior, he is alone is, is eternal life, he alone is true joy and peace and, and blessing. So, Father, would you use your word, would you use these testimonies of, of those who encountered Jesus to, to give us true joy this, this Easter? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so first, first we're talking about how Jesus, as the resurrected Lord, how he brings joy, how he brings joy. So we're going to look at John 20, verse 11, and look at Jesus' encounter with Mary Magdalene. So read with me, it's on the screen, John 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had laid, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. And she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, 
Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but I go to my brothers and but go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he had said these things to her. All right, the first encounter of the resurrected Jesus with his people, with Mary Magdalene. Now, some of you, some of you are filled with sorrow. You're filled with sorrow. And I want to say today that Jesus comes to bring joy. He comes to bring an everlasting joy that cannot be taken from you, that is eternal, that is, is undefeatable, that is unkillable, that is as resurrected and as eternal as Jesus himself is right now. Now Mary, Mary, where was her heart? What did she love? Ultimate, she loved Jesus. And that of all the people, her heart is invested in, in Jesus Nothing but Jesus. This is a nothing but Jesus person, if there was anyone. And here she is sitting at the tomb, and she's weeping because the source of all of her joy and all of her hope and all of her life is dead. And not only that, but has disappeared, has been stolen away from her. To add insult to injury, not only is he, is he gone, but, but someone has taken the body. And she's weeping at the tomb. But as we said, Jesus comes to give gifts to his children. He comes to give the gift of joy. The gift of joy. And so Jesus comes to her and he says, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Now she's asked this first by the angel and then by, by Jesus himself. Why are you weeping? And the question is like, I ask all of you, why are you weeping? Why are you weeping? That if our love, if our ultimate joy, if our ultimate hope is in Jesus, there is no more reason to weep. There is no more reason for sorrow. There is no more reason for, for being downtrodden and downcast that the love of your life, the hope of your life, is alive. Is alive. Now, this, this is convicting because as I, as I think about this, I recognize that this should be our joy. This should be our joy. And if, if Jesus is alive and Jesus is our hope and our joy and our life, then of course we should be, our joy should be unescapable. It should be unfathomable. That it should stand no matter what. One of my, one of my favorite hymns, uh, it speaks of, it speaks of uh, a song in heaven. And that, yes, there's lamentation here on the earth, but there's a song that, that cries in heaven, and it's the cry of rejoicing that the, the Savior lives, and that there is hope, and that, that we are called to always be singing an everlasting song. All right, that's the reality if Jesus Christ is alive. That there's a song in our heart that cannot be taken away from us. There's a song that rises above the lamentation of the world, that Jesus is alive and we rejoice. And the reality is that for Mary, who has invested her heart in Jesus, she will never weep again in the same way. She'll never have to weep over the, a dead Savior, a dead love ever again. Look at Romans 6, 9. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. 
that if we invest all of our love and all of our joy in Jesus, it will never, he will never forsake us. He cannot die again. He cannot leave us. That death cannot, cannot tear us away from us. Now, that's not true of anything else in all of creation. That everything else we give ourselves to, anything but Jesus, is going to leave us weeping. It's going to leave us forsaken. But Jesus, and Jesus alone, he cannot die. He cannot leave us. He will not leave us. But then he says, he says this kind of odd thing, and we think, well, oh, he, he is leaving. He's leaving Mary. Look what he says. He says, oh, don't cling to me. Like, so she's, she's so in love with Jesus, she just throws herself at him and is holding on to him. And what does he say? He says, you know, don't cling to me. I have to go to, notice here, he doesn't say just my father and, and your father. Not just my God, your God. Go tell, go tell my brothers. Like, the relationship is totally different, but he's going to leave. He's going to leave, and I think some of you are experiencing sorrow over that. That you say, yes, he, he rose from the dead, but why isn't he with me? Why isn't he here? All right, the reality is that, that Jesus is, is loving you and giving you greater joy there than he would here. That when Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven, he's now seated at the right hand of God and he is working every single sorrow in your life for joy. That he's working all these things together, all the things that, that you mourn each and every day, he's turning them into joy in eternity. That's the promise. And the promise is that, that your joy is alive and, and he is up there making sure that you will find your true hope and your love, Jesus Christ. And nothing is going to take that away. All right, that is the gift that Jesus comes to give. And we have to ask ourselves, okay, do we love Jesus? Do we love Jesus? Does the hope that we'll never be separated from Jesus, does that give us great joy? And I ask you very practically, like, what do you love about Jesus? Why do you love him? Now, there are lots of different things that you can think of. You could think of his, his compassion. That he has compassion for the, for the sinners and the, the tax collectors, the rejects of society. He, he welcomes them in and he, he doesn't treat them like rejects. He treats them like, like his family, like his beloved, because they are. We could think, think of the compassion that he has for the, for the sick and for the lost how he welcomes them in. We thought he welcomed them into the temple last week. He invites them to worship in freedom. All right, maybe you get more excited about the like fiery getcha side of Jesus. He has that too. Where he calls out hypocrisy, he calls out oppression, he calls out heartlessness. He actually gets angry about things that, that are evil and cruel and oppression. Does that make you fall in love with Jesus? Right, your joy today is going to be directly correlated to your love for Jesus. Because if you know that your, your love, your first love, your ultimate love is alive, then your joy will be everlasting. And no matter what happens, it will never be taken from you. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, for some of you, that's, that feels really far, that feels really distant. 
that's not how you're kind of relating to Jesus today. And that's where Jesus comes to different people and he, he gives them different messages. To Mary, who is in sorrow, he gives the message of joy. All right, but they're the disciples. The disciples who are caught in, in fear and caught in their weakness and Jesus comes to them. And this time he doesn't give the gift of joy, he gives them the gift of peace. The gift of peace. Look at John 20, verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked for the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. And when he said this, he showed them his hands. He showed them his side. And the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. All right. What reasons this morning do you have? Do you have reason for fear? For fear. All right. Maybe you have this, this fear of God Himself, or the fear of, of the law, the fear of all of the rules, all of the ways you have broken and and mistreated God all the ways you've abandoned him. All right, some of you are fearful because you're afraid what, what the cross means for your life. Because you see the cross and you see, okay, my Savior died. Am I going to be called to die? Am I going to be called to suffer? Am I actually going to have to have to obey this Jesus? Now, some of you are just afraid because you live in the world and you don't know what's going to happen next. There's a reality there. All right, the resurrected Jesus comes and he gives you peace. He gives peace. Now that first aspect of peace is Jesus rose from the dead. You didn't have to rise him from the dead. That's one of my favorite passages in Romans. Like Romans, you didn't have to go to the grave and, and, and drag him up from the grave. All right, you didn't have to do it. And in the same way, you don't have to earn your eternal life. You don't have to earn perfection before God. You don't have to earn per, like, perfection to the law. That All of that fear is extinguished when Jesus rose from the dead. That he paid the price and he offered you his perfection. This new resurrection life that he, that he earned for himself, he now gives to us. You should have no fear before God if you are in Jesus. If you've received Jesus, you should have no fear before God. If you've received the resurrected Jesus, you should have no fear before the, the commandments and the call of God. Now, I know that that's hard for me to believe. Like, I am fearful of what God could call me to do. Yeah, I have that fear. But the reality is that in some sense, we are, we are immune to the fears of this life. Because, like, your eternal life is secure. You know where you are headed. That whatever man may do to you, your, your soul is secure. And that God is going to do everything in his power, which is eternal power, omnipotent power, to make sure that you make it to that other side, that you, you are with Jesus forever, that you find that eternal life. 
We should be a people of great freedom. Freedom from fear. All right, what, do you, what are you scared of? What are you scared of? All right, it cannot be victorious over Jesus. If you are in Jesus, you cannot fail. You cannot be led astray. You, you will make it. You'll make it to eternal life. That's the great, the great joy of the gospel. That's the great peace of the gospel. And he even goes so far, and then he says, he, what does he do? He says, Receive the Holy Spirit, and if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. All right, he gives you the peace to actually go out and tell people about Jesus. To go, like, be Christians. To talk about the cross, and to do so with, without fear of, re, like, repercussions. Without fear of man that, oh, I just, I, I long that my heart would fully believe this. Amen that we would recognize that, like, we cannot be defeated. Let's go and fight. Go fight for the glory of Jesus and for people to be set free, for people to, to find a joy in nothing but Jesus that cannot be taken away. Amen? All right, that's what's offered in the resurrected Jesus. And when we go into the world and we proclaim Jesus, we actually proclaim the forgiveness of sins. We can say, if you receive Jesus, you are forgiven. You have no more burden. You have no more fear of God. You are at perfect peace with your Father. That, that's, a, that's an amazing blessing that we get to communicate that to the world. And we can do so without, without any fear of repercussions. Our, our soul is secure. Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. The sacrifice was sufficient. It was more than enough. Finally, finally. There's one other gift that Jesus gives, and this is the gift not to, not ultimately to the follower. It's to the doubter, to the skeptic. That Jesus gives belief. He gives true, a true understanding of who he is and a blessing that comes with it. So let's look at this last story. John 20, verse 24, the, the story of Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. And so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, and place my fingers into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. I will never believe. Now eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here, and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to them, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And this is a story of doubting, doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. And Jesus actually has had a gift for Thomas. Had a gift for Thomas, but 
He never actually ended up getting it. That Jesus comes and he wants to offer to him a blessing. A blessing for those who, who do not come to faith by seeing the Lord, but by trusting the testimony. Now Thomas, though he had seen Jesus do countless miracles, though he had seen Jesus walk on water and, and calm the storm, though he'd seen healings and resurrections even, and though he had before him his disciples, who he'd walked through, through this whole journey with, proclaiming they have seen the Lord, he couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. He refused to believe it unless he had the, the tangible physical evidence. And God, actually, Jesus, in his mercy, gives it to him. He gives it to him. But he actually, he actually implies that it comes at a cost. That it comes at a cost, that there is a great blessing in receiving Jesus, not because you have touched his hands, not because you have touched his side, but because you have believed by faith. And that's where I would, I would call us to, to embrace that blessing. I know some of you are, are upset that you can't reach out and touch Jesus. Where is he? Why isn't he here? Why isn't he still giving us more scripture? Why isn't he still talking to us? Like, it's to preserve the blessing. And we trust that God sent the ultimate skeptic the ultimate scientist, to test Jesus. And what did he say at the end of it? My Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. That he went. And my hope is that we can have the eyes of Thomas and let him see for us he has seen the risen Lord. That the testimony of Mary and the testimony of the disciples, the testimony of hundreds of others would be our, our eyes and our sight. That Thomas's testing by his hands would be our testing by faith. Now, none of these blessings are going to come to you. None of this means anything if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead. All right, this is not a metaphor. This is not a, a hope that he has some spiritual life in him. He is alive. And I'd call us to believe that with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And just to remind you that, that this is not the only proof. That we have countless miracles that Jesus did that need to be explained. Even the Pharisees couldn't explain them. They, they tried to explain them. What did they say? They said, oh, well, maybe, maybe he's performing these miracles because he's in, he's in allegiance with Satan. He's doing it by demons. All right, they all had to, they had to, had to admit that the miracles were happening. So we have countless miracles proving that he is, he is more than just this man. We have prophecy. We have prophecy of his death and his resurrection. We have Jesus saying these weird, goofy things about how he'd be raised and risen from the dead. We have prophecies from, from King David saying things like, your, your chosen one will never, never perish, will never see death. Peter later in his preaching in Acts, he says like, David died. You know that, right? That can't have been David. That had to be Jesus. That had to be Jesus. And we have testimonies of hundreds, hundreds of people who saw Jesus. Hundreds of people who can say with Mary and with Thomas, 
with the disciples. They have seen the Lord. We have the empty tomb. We have the empty tomb. We have the bandages wrapped up and, and folded alongside the missing body. And then we have all these people saying that he's alive. I think most, most beautiful of all, we have people like Mary rejoicing. We have people like the disciples who are such cowards and so weak, empowered, because they, they knew that this was real. They knew that they could not die, that their Lord was in heaven, that nothing could stop their mission. We have people like Thomas, the doubter, who is proclaiming, my Lord and my God. And we have that testament going forth and a whole generation of Jewish people, Jewish people who are monotheistic and didn't like worshiping men. That wasn't, that wasn't in their MO. They didn't like that. They refused to worship Caesar. They, worshiped, they refused to bow down. And here they are now all crying out, my Lord and my God to Jesus. Because they, they were convinced, in spite of themselves, in spite of the past religious order, that, that Jesus was God, that he was the resurrected king. Believe in Jesus. Believe in the resurrection. That you might receive this blessing. Believe in Jesus. Receive him. Love him. Put all your hope in him. He will not disappoint you. He is not dead. He is alive. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Are there any questions? An interesting one for questions. No? We're good. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would give us great joy this day. I ask that you would, you would open our eyes to, to see Jesus, to see the risen Lord. Father, as we, as we hear these testimonies, we, we can say that we believe, but then we look at our lives and our joy is not in Jesus. Our hope is, is insecure and, and wavers. We are fearful and we are, we are doubtful. And so, Father, I ask that we, you would give us Jesus, that we would believe in the resurrection with our, our heart, soul, mind, and strength, that we would live as if Jesus is real and that if he, as if he is actually resurrected, that we will see him again. Father, would you protect us from merely saying with our lips that we believe in the resurrection but, but doubting it in every other aspect of our lives? Father, would you give us great joy? Would you give us great peace? Would we know the blessing that, that no matter what happens, we will be with Jesus forever? Father, if there are those here who, who have not yet believed in Jesus or received Jesus or loved Jesus, I ask that they would, would run to him and receive his perfect life, receive his death for sin, Father, would you save them? Would they cry out to you? 
And Father, for those of us who have done that, I ask that you just give us great joy in Jesus. Would you help us to worship and enjoy him forever? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.